Welcome back to another episode. In today's podcast, we're going to be focusing on general midfielders and we're going to be looking at some player comparisons. So tonight it's just going to be Tom and I. And we're going to look at um, some of the main midfielders going from most expensive to some of the less expensive mids that are all on people's watch lists for this uh, preseason. So first off, we got uh, the two highest scoring midfielders and supercoach players in general in Laird and Oliver. And so who would you, if you had to pick one of these two in your team, because they do take up a fair bit of the budget, which one would you be uh, selecting if you could only pick one? Um, I mean, personally, I've got Oliver in my side at the moment at M1. Um, obviously, he's got a bit of you know issues with the tag. He's he's obviously been tagged out in a few games. Um, but um, you know, you might have a differing opinion to this, Jonas. But obviously, Laird is a little bit priced a little bit higher. It's a tough one because I have enough cash in the bank at the moment to shift Oliver to Rory Laird with no dramas. Um, but I just feel that Oliver, his ceiling's a little bit higher. Um, he's, you know, he's able to get those 170s quite comfortably. But um, it's a tough one. It's it's one sex series just playing up. <laughs> <laughs> it's recognised my voice. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's a tough one because you just so even their ceilings and, and floors are pretty much identical. But I think the way Melbourne finished off that finals campaign, I think they've got a point to prove next year um, with Brody Grundy and Max Gorn tandeming in the ruck. Kids spell disaster for other teams. Um, but I'm just edging towards Oliver. is a little bit cheaper. Obviously, you know, you could play devil's advocate and say, suggest that Rory Laird, because of how consistent he is, um, you know, he, his, his price won't deviate as much. And Oliver, you kind of expect a drop at some point when he gets tagged out of a few games. Um, but, yeah, I think I'll be leaning towards Oliver, but I could be easily swayed um, depending on how preseason goes. But what are your thoughts on on that, Jonas? Yeah, it's yeah. a tricky one. I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. But I do think, personally, having one of them in your teams is always a good option because... They're going to provide good VC and C scores. If you start neither of them, it's going to be tough to find a consistent captaincy option in the first few weeks before you're doing upgrades. So I reckon definitely picking one is the way to go. Personally, I prefer Laird purely because I know he won't really get tagged. He doesn't cop too much attention. And when he does, he seems to deal with it pretty well. I don't see his role getting played around with too much. He should still be the main man in that midfield and with Adelaide getting a bit better potentially more victories that could see uh, a tick up in lead scoring so yeah I'd be leaning towards lead but Oliver's also a very good option with Grundy coming in his scoring is probably just going to go up a bit more he's in the prime of his career Um, but I do like the pod aspect of lead and I feel like say Oliver starts slightly um subpar like only scoring 110 115 and Laird continues on his way that can give you a good point of difference and also Oliver's scoring does fluctuate a bit more which means you should have the opportunity to pick him up at a cheaper price but yeah we'll move on to the next two players that we're going to be comparing we've got Miller and Neil um obviously those two you know cute clash so 
big rivals up in Queensland. Um, Miller started off the season pretty slow and people thought, you know, if there's something wrong with him. But he's, you know, finished the rest of the season ridiculously well with the average of 120. And obviously, Lockie Neal, um, now with Dunkley in the side, who knows what will happen if, if it provides a bit more cover for Neil um, being less of a target with Dunkley in. Um, but obviously, I mean, we both, I think you had both in your side. I think I had as well. What are your thoughts on on um, those two, if you had to pick two? Or is is one clearly in your radar? Or do you have any, in you know, considering that we've got a fair few price at this point um, that we can all start in our top bracket of midfielders? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, with the Miller one, I think we're just going to have to wait and see on what happens when it's his buy, because I think he has the first buy. But if it's still best 22 players and you've got Gold Coast and Geelong players, that's going to set you back because you're going to have to fill in four extra spots than what you normally would in an 18-person buy. So if it is a 20, if Harold Sung come out and say that during that buy, um, we need to have 22 players on field, I'm steering clear of Miller until after his buy because you're just going to be at a disadvantage and people are just going to bring him in after the buy and you're going to be one premium scorer down. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But say it is the case that it's 18-person scoring, I'd be in favour of Miller. He's a bit younger. Gold Coast will be a bit better because Ben King's going to be in that team, shoring up the forward line. Um, So I can only see Miller getting better. And as for Neil, I want to see in the preseason what happens with Brisbane's midfield. He won't get moved out, but I'm not sure how much um, scoring is going to get distributed to Dunkley and away from Neil. We saw what um, Dunkley did taking some points away from Bond and Pally and McRae and some of the other Bulldogs midfielders when he was injured. I feel like that could repeat itself here at Brisbane. Do you have a different opinion on that? Yeah, similar. I mean, I've, I've got Miller in at the moment. Uh, whether or not I'm, I'm kind of tempted to, he's probably the one that guards oh, him and Steele, one of, one of him or Steele, which we'll touch on Jack still later, but it's one of those who I think that will get pushed potentially to someone a little bit cheaper that I can redistribute elsewhere. Uh, Miller's probably my bet out of the two just because, I mean, he's, he was so consistent. He obviously had his niggles and, and what have you um, at the start of the season, but he, he kind of, you know, if, if anyone wanted to trade him last year, I think they got pretty burnt pretty badly towards the middle and end of the year. He, he, he finished the year ridiculously well and was probably unlucky to to poll, you know, in the brain to, to be in that Brownlow podium and where he was. But, yeah, Neil, um, he's an interesting one because, you know, part of me thinks that Dunkley there can provide a bit of cover and help Neil. But having said that, Dunkley pretty much, I would seem to see as guaranteed to play midfield minutes. Obviously, Jared Lyons was brought in a couple of years back and he kind of um, pegged out of that role pretty badly. I think he's he's on the outer now in, in regards to that selection for the starting three mids. But I think Dunkley was guaranteed to be there. You know, as you said, who knows what happens to the point distribution. Um, we saw last season when Neil... When he, when he gets tagged out of it, he can go ridiculously quiet at times. He's, he's an accumulator, not someone who can get the ball at his own will. And I think Miller does that very well. Um, and you kind of know what to expect from Miller. So, yeah, I'd say Miller's obviously, you know, as I said, 15K, slightly cheaper. Um, but I'd probably move towards Miller. 
if I had to, if I've got, you yeah. know, if I force my hand, but I have Miller in my starting side anyway. So, yeah. Um, and when, you know, when you're looking at these midfielders, not a lot separates them and you can't really go off too much intel in the preseason games because they're just star midfielders. So the only thing you can really look at is their buy structure, if it suits your team, and also potentially like starting price a bit, but also their early fixture. And the one thing that helps Neil, for instance, is Brisbane play, Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, Collingwood, who all don't tag, and then also North Melbourne in the first five games. So if you do go with Neil, there is the ability that he will go a bit larger than some of these other midfielders and at the end of the day you're probably going to be picking these midfielders like Neil in your final team so you probably want that scoring early on when he's playing the weaker teams rather than when he's got say some of the more difficult teams to score against later on in the year but yeah now we move on to these two Bulldogs midfielders and um, do either of these take your fancy? Um, I've got Bond at the moment, as a few people do. I think the leaving of Dunkley helps Bond a fair bit. Um, I think he probably gets forced his hand a bit more in the midfield. Um, and as, as as we all know, he's kind of champion data's love child in a sense, where he just gets gifted points for, for absolutely nothing. Um, so, yeah, he's... He's one that I think you could almost have more confidently in your side than we had last season. Obviously, last season, people were like, you know, whether does he play more forward or whatever, you know, with a full complement of of dogs midfielders. But I think with Dunkley gone, he could spend more time in the middle, and we all know how damaging he's in the middle. He can basically win games off his own foot. Um, But I don't know. The other one, obviously, McRae, he's one that suffered a lot last season with the rotation of the dogs. He played a fair bit on the wing. You know, had stints in the half forward and and rarely got a full complement of midfield minutes. He was kind of rotating on and off, and it was frustrating. Um, you know, seeing him half the time on the bench as well. He'd often start quarters on the bench and get stuck on there for a while, which impacted his scoring. But you know, who knows? It could well be that McRae uh, gets back his midfield minutes and almost plays full time mid next year without Duncan. So it's kind of hard to say what will happen. But you've got obviously Liberatore in there, which is a big factor. He play he basically plays full time mid and only gets to the bench for a rest and then comes back on the mid. But it'll be interesting to see whether they just use, you know, Bonds and Pelly McRae and Liber as their main three. Um, or if there is some rotation with Bailey Smith and things like that, just to change it up because um, you know, the one thing I felt with the Dogs last season was that they kind of suffered a bit too much in their midfield to their own detriment because they were rotating so much. So whether or not they decide to stick with a consistent three and then rotate when they're off the bench, you know, is yet to be seen. But it'll be interesting to see. But I think um, Bond, I've kept him from the start and I think I'll keep him there. Um, He's just capable of of tearing games apart and he's, you know, average speaks for itself. But what are your thoughts on, on those two Dogs players? Or have you got any in your side at the moment? Yeah, I also like the look of Bont and Pelly. I think there's certainly upside. The one thing I'm curious about with McRae is what happens now that Hunter's out of the team? Will McRae get pushed out to playing on the wing a bit more and alternate with Bailey Smith there, which will probably correlate to lower scoring? That's something I want to see as well because there have been rumours that um, Daniel's been tra- training with the midfield group. Yeah. Also, I'm not 
entirely sure as to what will happen, but I'm pretty confident um, they don't need Bontempelli up forward anymore, given they've, they're bringing in uh, Lobb, for instance, and Bruce will maybe go down back. And then there's like a plethora of tall options that they've got either down back or up forward. So I feel like they're going to have to use Bontempelli in the midfield even more because he is a bit of a unique player, whereas McRae is a bit more one-dimensional. So I'm not too sure as to what will happen with that. I think, yeah, I'm leaning towards Bontempelli, but McRae is not the worst option either. He should see an uptick in his scoring. I don't think he's 22 average there. As it says, is 127.1. Um, but look, if yeah. you can get back to something like that, um, that he was capable of a few oh, years that ago. Might have been a, that might have been a mistake. I think I yeah. didn't edit but it properly was, from the previous one. He's got some great scoring history, so certainly um, a good option and a bit of a um, unique at this stage with all the other um, premium mids that are on offer. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with either one. And, you know, if you pick McRae early, and it could be a good point of difference moving forward. Yeah, um, and he's very injury-prone either, which helps. Yeah. I think this one is, is probably one that will cause a lot of discussion moving forward into pre-season. Um, you've obviously got the likes of Jack Steele and Paddy Cripps, who are very similarly priced in the lower end of the 600k, who are both capable of scoring, you know, upwards of, of a 120 average when they're on their best. Obviously, they come with their injury concerns. Paddy Grip's basically made out of, of paper mache on his shoulders. Um, and mm-hmm. Steele, apparently, as some of you may have heard on, on social media, has been training with the fluoro cap, which basically means um, he can't be tackled in a contact drill. Um, so he's obviously having some issues with his, his contact issues. Um, you know, who knows what that may be, but it could be his shoulder from, from last season. But what are your thoughts on those two? Obviously, Steele, I mean, I've seen photos on social media being a Saints fan, but he's, he's pretty lean. He's, he's leaned down a fair bit. He looks fitter from what he was last season, almost like he carried it throughout the season and it, and it kind of impacted his, his, his fitness. Um, but Cripps, obviously, with the news of Walsh, um, you know, who knows if he's back by Ryan one, it would definitely impact his preseason with his back concern. Do you think Cripps can start the year as well as he did um, last year with, with, you know, Walsh, I think, was out of the team at the start of last year as well. So what are your thoughts on those? Do you have to pick one? Who would you go for? Yeah, they're both options that have certainly good value, but both of them have a bit of durability concern. And I feel like with Cripps, his scoring's fluctuating so much. I'm not sure what his average was in the second half of the year, but it wasn't very good. Like, I'd be guessing around 105 which is not top eight so i'm not too sure about cribs at this stage he um always seems to sort of tail off towards the back end of the year at least that's um what i believe happens he 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 starts hot but i'm not sure if he's yeah a good starting option i'd more wait and see on how he's going and then maybe commit towards the later end of the year when you don't have to worry about him getting injured because now he's he did a hamstring last year, albeit pretty minor. But, yeah, I'm not too sure. He, he can get swung forward a bit. And whilst Walsh will be out, Hewitt's back in, um, which is another midfield rotation with also Doherty potentially playing in there as well. So he's certainly one that could get that sort of Bontempelli 
treatment from last year where he's playing up forward for like 10 yeah. minutes in a, in a quarter. I don't hate the pick, but, yeah, I think they're more um, – they're safer picks in my opinion. And I think Steele is, is that. I just need to see him in the preseason actually like fully commit to tackling and – also, I'm curious as to Ross Lyon's game plan. Like, is it going to be like Collingwood, where the midfielders sort of are just tasked with getting the ball forward and focusing on territory, or is there going to be more possession? Because it, if it is that Collingwood sort of game plan, then I'll definitely avoid Steel. And um, another thing about Steel is, I'm not sure if he'll start the year as hot because of some of the St Kilda injuries at the moment. Like, for instance, there's no Max King. Hayes will be out. Um, I feel like St Kilda might be a bit bit weaker, but in saying that, he presents good value. So um, definitely top eight potential and at low 600 could be worth the risk. I just want to see how his uh, body is during the preseason competition. How about you? Are you concerned about Steele's lack of um, contact drills? Yeah, I mean, I, that was the first I heard of it online, so that was a little bit concerning. Um, I've as I said, I don't really know what the what the issue is, or if there is a bit of issues from from last year playing up again. Um, if that's the case, unfortunately, I don't think I'll probably move him on to someone a little bit cheaper, which we'll talk about later on. But yeah, I, I guess the main concern moving forward is our ruck concern, which is a big problem at the moment, which we'll talk about in, in the next podcast about the rucks, because originally I wasn't too fussed with Jack Hayes in there because. Obviously, that means Marshall probably still plays a fair bit forward, a uh, fair bit on, on ruck. But now um, Hayes is out for eight to ten weeks. Yeah, so he'll miss, a, he'll miss a few more games at the start of the season. I think King's expected to come back around round five, which is not the worst in the world. It's, it's definitely not a lot better than what we thought originally. Um, but obviously, places serious question marks on on our, our ability to, to ruck. Um, effectively because, you know, Tom Campbell's no spring chicken and and um, Marshall by himself is, is obviously what we want um, moving forward. But, you know, how much can he ruck without having to have a reprieve? There has been rumours that Matty Allison is a draft pick from a couple of years back. He's a high – it was it was training as a high defender earlier, but he's been transformed into a forward, it seems like, just because of issues we've had. If we're able to kind of make do with with battle potentially swinging forward and then forcing Cordy into the team and playing in defence, um, that could work. I think as a Sinkilda supporter, my gut feeling is I think we still want to try Marshall as a permanent ruck. I don't think we want to rely him going forward and having to play a Tom Campbell more than a game. Um, and obviously, I mean, the reason why Jack still did well so well a couple of years back in our finals campaign was because Paddy Ryder was there and he was able to provide silver service to Steele in particular. So he's one I think that I'm a little bit concerned about. But as you said, I probably would pick him ahead of Cripps just because of, of you know, the amount of midfielders they have at Carlton and obviously the Welsh factor as well. And he's, you know, he died out as well, Cripps, towards the end of the season, as you said, through, you know, um, nagging and nagging concerns with his injuries. But, yeah, still um, is one I'd pick ahead the two, but I'd pick with caution just because of this potential injury risk and, and what might happen in the whole, you know, Ross Lyon game plan and, and ruck factor as well. But I yep. guess um, moving forward, so we've obviously got the likes of, as I said, um, LDU and Tom Mitchell, who are a little bit 
cheaply priced at the kind of mid to 500 range. I'll probably throw in another name in Christian Petrarca. I'm not exactly sure what he's priced this year. I think he's similarly priced. Um, 610 or something. Yeah, so he's similarly priced, I think, to Steele and and Cripps. But I'll, I'll throw him in, in as well. Um, what are your thoughts on those three in particular? And, and is there any standout that you could potentially bring in? Or are you kind of thinking that these three are, are, are roughs in the water where you're not sure how they'll go and um, you kind of want to wait until, you know, you see practice matches. But do you think they're a valid replacement for someone like a Jack Steele or a, um, even a Took Miller that they can average similarly and you're saving yourself essentially, you know, 50 to 60K? Yeah, I definitely think um, they are decent replacements. If I had to rank them from worst to best uh, in terms of options factoring in price, I'd go Mitchell last, Petrarca second, LDU first. Just quickly with Mitchell, he's a bit older now. Um, the Collingwood game plan doesn't really tailor towards mass disposal. So whilst he'll be getting that first touch, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of like sharing of the pill. And I don't think one Collingwood player averaged above 100 last year. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's immediately concerning. Unless he comes out in a preseason game and gets like 40 touches, I won't even entice picking Tom Mitchell. As for Petrarca, I actually don't mind the option because he was playing through injury a lot of last year. Um, and once again, like Oliver, Grundy's coming in to help him and he's going to have a full injury-free pre-season, so should be raring to go. The only thing with Petrarca is his scoring still fluctuates. Even um, during the year when he wasn't injured, he was occasionally prone to scoring like a 70 or an 80, which makes me think, is he a great starting pick? Because with these premium midfielders, you want to be picking them, knowing that other people who don't pick them can't pick them up for 50, 70K cheaper because then you almost lose out on the pick. So for that reason, I'm not fully um, in love with that pick, but I do prefer it to something like a Crips because Crips is now sort of susceptible to soft tissue injuries, which is far more likely to occur than I think Petrarca cracked like a bone in his shin or something like that. Yeah. Once that fully heals, it's unlikely for that to reoccur. So... For that reason, I prefer Petrarca. But, yeah, LDU I think is the best out of the bunch purely because he's still um, peaking. I feel like Mitchell's on the decline and Petrarca peaked uh, when Melbourne won the grand final. LDU still has another um, few years of improvement left in him. Uh, I think Clarkson might help him. He finished the season well as well. He ran it out well, unlike um, Petrarca. And Mitchell was just average throughout the whole year. So there's, I think he averaged 110 plus post buy. So that's always great. Um, the only thing I want to see with LDU is I'm not sure if he's actually capable of copying attention. The tag yeah, that was, that was what I was going to mention. Yeah, and um, that will be coming his way. But, yeah, if I had to select one, it would be LDU purely because he's 60K cheaper than Petrarca. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair shout. I'd be probably the similar Mitchell down the bottom and Petrarca and LDU second and first, respectively. I mean, Mitchell was a hard one because I think I've seen on social media that 
from training reports, he's, he's predominantly playing a pretty important midfield role, whether they're slightly tinkering with the game plan to suit Mitchell a bit better as he's yet to be seen. But, you know, similar to, to potentially what Ross Lyon might do at St Kilda with Collingwood's slingshot game plan, it doesn't really suit guys like Mitchell who are so reliant on just getting loose ball um, where they can. Um, in regards to Petrarca and LDU, Petrarca, I mean, I owned last season um, he was all right, but the main issue was was he was playing a fair bit forward, which then he was reliant on on goals to to get a decent score. Um, he was always able to kind of push through to you know anywhere between that 90 to 130, but he lacked that consistency, I think. But as you said, he was suffering from a few niggles here and there. So whether or not that means he plays full time mid next year is yet to be seen. But I think from what I saw from Demons games, it just seems that. They almost like him better as a half forward just because of how dangerous he is forward of centre. Um, and I don't think it helps with Angus Brayshaw being in the midfield group. I've, I've heard rumours that he's predominantly training in the midfield to our group, which impacts, obviously, the rotation of Petrarca. But I think Melbourne see him as a much more dangerous half forward who often you know, plays stints in the midfield when they need him to rather than a full-time mid. But, yeah, LDU's... You know, someone I would like to pick, but it almost feels like you're picking him because of the hype around him, like that people have just created um, off Supercoach. Yeah. He obviously had that breakout year, or I wouldn't say breakout year, but breakout year Supercoach-wise last season. And some of the stuff he does on field is ridiculous. He can t- tear open games in a pretty crappy mag- uh, North Melbourne side. The only risk, as you said, is we haven't really seen much attention being put on him, partly because of how bad Mel- North Melbourne's been. Um, but he's one that I would like to see on Alistair Clarkson. I could see him blossom a fair bit, but it's, you know, whether he can kind of consistently score those 120s and 130s. Um, but with his game style, it almost feels a bit like Petrarca, where he's a ball in midfield, but he can all often, you know, um, die out a little bit in matches and kind of phase out, and, and that's impacting scoring. But also I don't think he's predominant up front as a, that tracker where he can score, you know, three goals in a quarter and really turn the score on its head. But, yeah, I guess um, moving on to the uniques, I mean, you can talk a bit about this, Jonas, about about these two. Yeah, sure. So I feel like Tom Green's actually pretty popular and you can compare him a lot to the LDU pick as well. Um, to me, I wouldn't go close to Chad Warner just yet. I think he's too risky. Um and there's still plenty of players in that Sydney makeup of the midfield, like Rowbottom, Parker, and Mills, for instance, just to name a few. Errol Goulden sometimes goes through there. So I want to probably wait. I think this is one year too early for Chad Warner. I think when Parker retires, he'll be a very good option. But at the moment, yeah, he's one of those players where he'll deliver some great scores, but I'm not sure he'll average enough to be a keeper, which is what you need at 5.32. In contrast, Tom Green has the whole midfield to himself. He's pretty yeah. hard to tag. And so for that reason, I'll be much more in favour of selecting Tom Green than, say, Chad Warner, who has to compete against a few other decent midfielders in his side. The thing with Green is, yeah, he's a bull. Um, he has a great ceiling. He scored 164, but albeit in round one. But I'm still not sure as to, A, his fitness level, because he sort of dropped off towards the end of the year um, and struggled to run out games, unlike 
LDU, and also how good will GWS be as a team? Um, I feel like they could regress a bit even further this year, and that might mean that as a team there's less points to go around at GWS. But in saying that, I still think Tom Green will lift his average. It's just a matter of by how much. And I think at that price, I think he's, what, 5.30 as well. At that price, you need him to be scoring, say, roughly 110 to be a keeper. And I think at this point in time, I'd rather pay a tiny bit more for a proven player with history of running out games, such as like a steal or a player who had a bit of a better end back back end of 2022 like LDU. But how about you? Yeah, it's a tough one because obviously there's not much difference between these guys and the next ones above. Um, Warner, I, I, similar to LDU, obviously a little bit less confident on Warner than I am with LDU. Um, he's, I think, a bit on hype, on the hype train as, as was LDU. I think the issue with him is he has sparks of brilliance, but it lacks that consistency. It lacks that, you know, consistent 28 disposal game where he can chug along at 100 to 105. Um, and he kind of relies on, say, a 28 goal, a 28 possession and three goal performance to really score a high score. And he often goes missing at times. He just seems to be that link in the chain often that that creates that speed for Sydney. But as I said, sometimes he falls out um, quite heavily with his scoring just because he gets lost in games sometimes. And as you said, he's probably a year too young at the moment to really burst up. But it'd be an interesting pick to see how he goes. I just wouldn't have the ball to do it. I'm almost more inclined to move down a bit. If I were forced to pick, you know, like a Warner type, I'd almost take a punt on James Rowbottom um, at a lower score. He dominated, I think, towards the end of the back end of the last year and, you know, was close to scoring 100-plus per game in the last, I think it was five or six rounds and looked really consistent. He was much more consistent with disposal yeah. um, disposal gathering than, than Warner was. I think Warner's more of that Petrarca-esque type of player where he's a bit reliant on goals and things like that. Um, but I'd be more confident in Tom Green if I were forced to pick the two. As you said, they've got the midfield to their own now with, with the likes of Taranto and Hopper out. Um, he's basically forced to play full-time mid now. Um, and Cornelio, as we'll talk about later on um, in our series with the forwards, but I think those two will play a predominant role in the Giants having any comeback in the season. But as you said, I think they'll, they'll struggle a fair bit um, just because they probably lack that third or fourth mid to rotate through. And as we talk about, we come back to that tag ability factor. We actually haven't seen much pressure put on Tom Green when he plays. So who knows what will happen? But I think if I had to pick between the two, I'd be much more confident with Green than Warner just with consistency sake because you can kind of guarantee Green can, you know, you know, play that um, first, second, mid, week in, week out, whereas Warner could easily chuck from the half full front to, to utilise his, his goal-kicking prowess. Um, but it's a tough one. But I think I'd probably pass on both realistically and yeah. move towards an LDU or Petrarca or, or, or those of the like just because they feel a bit more safer. Having said that, the one thing that uh, really appeals about Tom Green is he's got Adelaide, Carlton, West Coast, Essendon and Hawthorne in the first five games, none of which he'll cop that much attention, maybe from Coldwell or McGinnis. 
I, I still can't see him scoring too poorly in those games. So he could start really well, but we know he, he'll probably start well. It's how he will finish the year. And when when you are chasing rank or going for league, it's important how these players finish up. And for that reason, I'll probably skip as well because we don't know how he closes out the year. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess we're, we're almost finished towards our midfielders for, for, for two, Super Coach 23. But yeah, moving on to a bit more pricier uniques that I haven't seen too much speaking about. Obviously, so limited to the amount of uniques, the uh, amount of um, upper echelon premiums that we can select. But two of them, Callum Mills and Andrew Brayshaw, um, they're, they're probably, I forgot to put the prices on for these last couple of slides. Um, but they're priced towards that six, which I think it was Mills about six forty, I believe, and Brayshaw is about six twenty, I want to say, something yeah. along the lines of that. Um, but obviously Mills and Brayshaw were not spoken about as much. Um, Mills probably more so than Brayshaw. Brayshaw's in a couple teams, but yeah, Mills obviously is so so important for that Sydney midfield he's one that pushes back the most and plays almost as an extra defender when they need him to be and he almost just seems to score for fun um he obviously had that odd shit game here and there but he was so consistent and was one of the very few that cracked a double hundred um which you know only a few are capable of and Andy Brayshaw um is is a big future for Fremantle can't afford to lose him that's for sure um and was very consistent and I think with the news of, of Fife moving forward or playing more permanently forward than, than midfield can definitely help Brayshaw really consolidate himself as that number one midfielder for, for Frio. Um, and he's obviously not reliant on, on things like goals. He's reliant more on, on a Jack Steele kind of game where he can just score based off his tackles alone. What are your thoughts on those two in particular? And do you think you can kind of select them with a bit of confidence ahead, even if you wanted to save money and... Um, Pick him ahead of the likes of, say, your Bontempelli's, McRae's, Oliver's, and be a little bit different. Yeah, it's a tough one. I'd be picking these players to maybe ahead of like Cripps or Petrarca, but I couldn't justify picking them over Oliver or Took Miller necessarily because with Mills, his role is so volatile. I mean, you can see the fluctuation between his highest and his lowest scoring. That's just purely based on where he was required to play in those two games. And with uh, Brayshaw, I'm not too sure actually what his role is going to be. Like, I'm, he'll get plenty of midfield again, but with Amira coming in, uh, yeah, he potentially uh, will get more time on ground and he can only really play midfield. Um, does that see Brayshaw pushed a bit to the outside? I'm not too sure. I know with Miller, for instance, or Oliver, they're going to stay in the midfield and they're going to score pretty similarly. Um, but Brayshaw, he's a very hard worker. I'm just, yeah, a bit uncertain on um, exactly how much mid-time he'll get. And so for that reason, I'd probably um, be selecting Mills over the two because Mills shows the ability to still end up averaging decently even when he is put on the wing which was actually a fair bit or um in defense because he averages that out with some huge scoring um would you lean towards mills as well or does the cheaper um option of ratio sort of entice you more 
Yeah, I think um, probably lean towards Mills a little bit more. I don't mind the cheaper option of Brayshaw. I just think that, as you said, Amira coming to that side, Amira basically can only play mid. Does that impact Brayshaw? I don't think it will too much. I think, if anything, it could benefit Brayshaw a bit. He might get the hands on the footy a bit more, even you know with his already ridiculous 30-plus consistent possessions. But I think him, Sarong, and uh, Amira can definitely help um, a fair bit. But I think if I wanted to be a little bit unique, I don't have either of these two in my starting lineup because I've got the four big big boys in there at the moment, potentially five if I kind of adjust the cash elsewhere. I'd probably pick Mills and, and go for a bit of a risk. He's just capable of those huge, huge scores. And he's one that if you watch Sydney play on TV, it's pretty funny because you don't actually see him too much. Or I, haven't, I don't notice him in games, but he just seems to rack it up like crazy. Yeah, um, and he's so consistent. He'll have the odd shoot game, but I guess everyone does. Um, but as I said, he's just capable of when he gets it all together, he can score mammoth scores because of his huge work rate. And as I said, he's the first one in back in defence. He's a link in the chain pretty much for Sydney, and they can't afford to lose him at all in the midfield. And he doesn't really play, you know, if anything, he gets bumped into the defence where he just takes intercept marks and kickouts and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, I, I go him even though he's 640k, but I'm almost yeah. more confident with him and, and, and willing to take the risk with his huge scores that he does produce, you know, once so yeah. often. Interestingly, with these players, Rachel finished the season priced at 550k and Mills at 575k, which sort of suggests to me that, um, or it proves the fact that they're both very volatile scorers and had their spike games towards the start of the year, which boosted their average. Like, Brash yeah. had his 189, I think it was in round two or something, and Mills had his in the first half of the year. So it shows that yeah. it's important that you pick players who have favourable matchups. And Mills, for instance, plays uh, Hawthorne, who we went 214 on in round two, and Brashaw has a very soft fixture as well. So it might be handy to pick say, one of these two in the hopes that they do score their spike game early on. But in saying that, you've also got to be aware that they're more susceptible to scoring low hundreds here or there because they're just not the same sort of calibre of super coach player than as a Oliver or a Laird. Yeah, uh, that's a payoff you get for paying cheaper, essentially, that lack of high echelon um, consistency, but as Jonas said, yeah, if you if you notice they've got a weak fixture, it could even be worth it just to bank on those top scores and hope they're unique enough that not everyone is jumping on them. And usually, you know, if you're able to jump on a unique early, then you know you're benef- you're reaping the benefits because everyone else jumps on them, and usually they don't get as big a score as they did in the unique round. So yeah. it's one that you just got to have a bit of foresight with 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 potential fixtures, that's for sure. But I guess rounding off our midfielders, we won't talk about rookies, as I've said, in the defender one, because we'll, we'll be touching that on a separate podcast, potentially with a guest. But looking at the mid-price options, um, the most popular ones are the Dom Sheed versus Jacob Hopper debate, just because they're basically priced exactly the same. And they had the same average. Obviously, Hopper had, I think, five games, and Sheed only played the one. They're both seemingly, um, or more so Dom Sheedy, seems to be bouncing back and, and dominating pre-season from what I've heard. And Hopper's obviously at a new club with 
with minimal options in the midfield where he, I think he can step into that role quite nicely with Taranto. Um, obviously hugely touted in, in both, in both teams. Sheed had a, you know, pretty good year, a couple of years back, but, but stood off a cliff quite considerably in the last couple. Um, but what are your thoughts on those two? Obviously, I think I've got Hopper in my team personally, um, just because of a mid-price option. But do you think, you know, you could potentially go Dom Sheed over Hopper just because Sheed's got that, track record of a pretty good average in previous years. And I think with the return of Nick that, do you think a Ruckman like him fully fit can benefit the likes of, say, your Hoppers and Yo's who were starved of opportunities, not only for injury, but form-wise as well with how badly West Coast did in the COVID year in the last couple of years? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Definitely Hopper is someone you have to pick. It's no debate between him and Shade. It's more of a question of can you pick Shade as well? Because Hopper's... Still in his prime, he's uh, going to play full-time midfield. He's in a good team. He's going to be uh, averaging probably 85-plus as a bare minimum. With Sheed, yeah. I'm not sure really what role he's going to play. I've heard mixed reports. Like West Coast have come out and said he's uh, performed really strongly in the match simulation. And then I read elsewhere that he was like slightly injured. So I think that's a bit of a wait and see. But if he's if he's getting midfield minutes, he will be hard to pass up because he started um, really well a few years ago. I remember he came out of the blocks fast and made a bit of money, but then he fell away again. And uh, this time around, he's like two, three years older. So he's going. He's one that's going to have to overly impress me in the preseason to be a viable selection. I'd rather say select. Hopper and then go down to say Will Phillips or an Ashcroft and maybe bank on a mid-pricer in another line because there are plenty of good options in the midfield. But is Shade someone you, you consider yourself being able to fit into your team or is he just too injury prone? Yeah, it's a tough one because I think you're probably going to have one or the other. I think if you have both, it's going to block in your face a little bit just because there is a lot of risk attached. More so with Dom Shade than Hopper. Hopper, you can probably more confidently say he's going to play prime midfield minutes because Richmond have in previous seasons kind of had to make do with a midfield um, that predominantly involves likes of Dusty and, and Shy Bolton who play better forward. So I think Taranto Hopper are mainstays in that midfield for you know X amount of years moving forward. Shade's one that you know he's capable of of scoring well, which is we haven't seen it consistently in a while now, and obviously that's pretty heavily correlated with the crap that West Coast has had to go through, COVID and injuries and what have you. Um, but it'd be nice to see him and Yo pull it back together and Nick Matt and the Rucker could provide a seriously good midfield if, if they get Shuey fit as well as kind of one last hurrah for those guys who are, who are going on an age a bit. Um, I'd almost, you know, take the risk if, if I was forced to, if you had, say, like a Hopper, who's in most people's teams have seen, and, and say a Fife, I'd almost go Sheed over Fife in some regards because, you know, Sheed's more likely to play midfield and, and Fife is playing predominantly forward and he's kind of lacked that match fitness and you always worry about Fife's injury history. Um, but I think realistically, I'd, I'd definitely pick Hopper over Sheed and I think I'd probably pick only the one because I think there's just so much risk attached with these 330k pay, uh, players. Um, you know, you could argue that they look good on paper and there's people like guys like Hunter Clark and, and Nat Fife have been premiums or premium price in 
in years gone by, but you've got to take into consideration their recent form and and there's a reason why they're priced so cheaply um, at 330 or K for, for all of them, or 313, I think, for Fife and uh, Hunter Quark. But I think, as you put it correctly, I think, yeah, Hopper's probably the way to go. Um, anything to add before we wrap it up in regards to any other midfielders that you think might be worth looking um, carefully in pre-season, or do you think we've covered, covered most of them? I think, yeah, we've covered most. I mean, you can go unique but usually it blows up in your face if you pick someone around the 450k mark who's unique for instance if you're picking like a sarong or a chera or someone like that whilst they might seem appealing for certain reasons they're more um prone to scoring a 70 or an 80 so in the midfield literally just keep it simple pick a few very popular players for instance oliver and if you want like a point of difference, pick one, but pick one who you're confident is going to score well. For instance, if you expect uh, Callum Mills to get more mid-time, by all means, then go for the pick because he's going to have now a full pre-season without that Achilles injury. So there is potentially upside. Um, but, yeah, I'd be flirting more with danger in some of the other lines, like, for instance, the back line, a few options that we discussed in last the last episode, who um can make or break your team. But if you get those right and just keep it simple in your midfield, pick those guys who you know are able to score 115, 120, it should set you up well. Yeah, I think Jonas now on the head. I think midfield's one that you don't want to play too stupidly with just because you could fall significantly behind um, the eight ball if you don't have those kind of anywhere between eight to 10 or even eight to kind of top 12 midfielders. Um, because you may think that a five to ten point decrease per player isn't significant, but it starts to add up, especially if you miss out on some of the key midfielders. But I think that's all we got time for today. Um, I know this is a bit of a long one, but there's obviously a fair few midfielders to go through, and it's the biggest line to pick in your teams. Obviously, next one will be the Rucks, which will be definitely an interesting discussion to have. Um, being a Sinclair supporting myself, what the hell we do with Marshall and 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 the like moving forward, and obviously Darcy Cameron as well for the Collingwood supporters out there. Um, we'll see if Nathan's available. I know that he's working the Australian Open and he's copped um, the night shifts, which make it a little bit hard for him to be involved at the moment. But we'll we'll try and um, get him on. If not, it'll be me and Jonas rounding out um, the rucks and forwards. And, and moving forward, we'll have a rookie review at some point um, towards the back end of pre-season. And, yeah, looking forward to... to uh, revealing our round one starting sides, that's for sure, leading into March. But yeah, until then, we'll uh, catch you for the rough pods. Mm-hmm.